daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Hello and welcome to World Today. I'm Zhao Yang. OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, has unveiled a new artificial intelligence model called Sora. It can create highly realistic videos of up to a minute long from simple text prompts. The company says the tool will initially only be available to a small group of artists and filmmakers to gain feedback, and to red team researchers who will assess risk. Generative AI video creators aren't entirely new. Tech giants like Google and Meta, as well as AI startups like Runway, are all developing their own models. But experts say the length and quality of the Sora videos surpass what has been seen before. Has Sora just kickstarted the era of generative video? What does it mean for the future of creative art? And will it accelerate the proliferation of disinformation with easier access to deep fake videos? Joining our discussion today, Edgar Perez, a business author and strategy consultant, and CEO of MrEdgarPerez.com. Dr. Liu Xiaoshan, Director of Embodied Intelligence at Shenzhen Institute of Artificial Intelligence and Robotics for Society, and Liu Lei, Research Associate with Institute of Science and Development at Chinese Academy of Sciences. Gentlemen, thank you all for being with us. Thank you for having me. Um, so, Edgar,、uh, let me start with you.、Um, can you provide us a brief explanation of this、uh, new text-to-video model, Sora, and, and how does it compare to other existing generative video models? Thank you. Well, if you think about models, obviously Sora is a great advancement. Obviously, before that, we had models such as Runway that allows to the capability to generate videos for let's say four seconds. It didn't look that good, but certainly there was quite a bit of work. Now Sora extends that to sixty seconds, and the quality of the video is certainly amazing. When you think about the development of Sora, these models are built on an LLM architecture, meaning that at some moment we will see some hallucinations in the same way that we see them in the text models. As such, it is probable that at some moment people will see that there are some limitations. Obviously, the videos look great, but if you take a closer look, you will see, for example, that the hands are not exactly particularly well designed. There are some irregularities there that you can see in the videos. In fact, the videos that we have seen over and over on the internet, those are probably the best videos the program has been able to generate. So when you compare that to models that videos that you can create on your own using Runway, for example, there's obviously a big difference. So the quality is amazing, but nonetheless, let's remember, still in the early stages, there are still limitations there. Okay, so Xiaoshan,、uh, uh, what's your thought on this、uh, new、uh, text-to-video model, and how transformative do you think it is、uh, in the realm of generative AI? Well, I think it's、uh, highly transformative. I, I personally work in AI technology,、um, so、uh, they're using a new technology called diffusion models and combine that with transformers,、uh, so that the, the process works like you would、uh, pick a, a, a bunch of random、uh, images and then generate random noise from there, and then through the process they reduce the noise to generate new videos.、Uh, so I think it would be highly revolutionary to the whole、uh, creative industry or the whole service sector as a Uh, uh, as part of the economy.、Mm-hmm. Um, so, Xiaoshan, what do you think will be the most exciting potential applications of Sora? The too many.、Uh, first of all,、uh, the obvious one would be a creative industry, movies, entertainments. If they can generate movies, I'm sure they can uh, write uh, songs in the near future. So,、uh, probably a lot of artists uh, would be. Um, uh, you need to be very competitive to stay in the market. Uh, the second one is education.、Uh, obviously,、uh, you can usually、uh, or traditionally when we do education, we、uh, do it through textbooks. But now you can generate、uh, multimedia contents to teach kids new concepts. I think that that would be highly revolutionary and beneficial.、Uh, the third one would be consulting.、Um, when I went to Harvard、uh, Kennedy School, I, I have a friend who、uh, worked in consulting. I asked him a question a few years back.、Uh, so, with AI, would you consultants be out of work? At the time, the answer was no, because、uh, it would be that the world would be、uh, much more challenging with AI in it.、Uh, but now, as the AI models become more generative, more、uh, intelligent, whether this consulting industry would be out of work would be a, a big question. 
then in Madison, um, today in Madison, uh, the process uh, it's very uh, uh, long process, such that uh, the patient have to go in to see a doctor. Uh, the doctor based on exam examination uh, results, they will generate uh, the medical record. Uh, then the patient have to read the medical record uh, to get advice. Uh, but then from the medical record uh, with this technology, you can generate interactive videos to teach patients how to take care of themselves. So the list goes on and on. Okay, so uh, Dr. Lu, um, do you think humans should be worried about about this? Like, um, if if Sora can uh, fundamentally shift so many industries, like Xiaoshen just now mentioned. Well, I think the development of technology is variable and uh, a very problem and the challenge uh, will certainly arise in the course of technological development. And uh, at present, it seems that in emergence of the AI people's uh, efficiency in using and uh, processing information. And on the whole, I think the benefit overweighs the risk. And uh, in history, uh, there are benefits and uh, risks associated with the uh, invention of every new technology. Uh, the process of dealing with the benefits and the risk is also the process of the human. Uh, this is my opinion. Okay, so Edgar, um, so do you think um, AI generative content will eventually become so good that it becomes indistinguishable from human created content? And, and if so, what are the implications for the um, authenticity and, and the value of original art? I think that's something that we always underestimate. Actually, with CGTN, we had an interview last year before my participation at the WIC about this fake, potentially fake content that has going to be created using, let's say, Dali or using now with Sora. But think about it. 50 years ago, 20 years ago, we didn't have Photoshop. Now, Photoshop is used today to generate any type of image, yet the world is still there. We have developed a capability to recognize whenever something that looks suspicious, we can, we usually double check and make sure that this image is real or not. So we are not being led to fake images anymore. In the same way, I believe that in the next years, people will be will have a critical eye to realize that a video is real and all a video is not real. Obviously, companies such as OpenAI or Meta, they will be able at some moment to put some marks, watermarks in this video so we recognize, they will tell us in advance if it's fake or not. But even if that's not the case for most people, we will see that eventually we'll realize what is real and what is not. So it's not critical that we're going to say, oh, it's going to be a lot of misinformation. Yes, people will start creating this, but in the same way that people start creating this type of fake videos, we will also learn how to recognize them so we won't be led ingeniously believing that this is true or not. Okay, so Xiaoshan, um, I'm not quite sure how OpenAI train its models, but to my understanding, uh, these models uh, like Sora, basically they are trained on massive data sets of, of, of a lot of human created works. Uh, so some would argue that this is only a remix of existing ideas without true originality. So if artists increasingly rely on such tools, do you think we're going to see a homogenization of creative expression and even a stagnation in artistic innovation? Uh, I would argue against it uh, mm -hmm. because uh, first, how it's trained, uh, it's called a world model. So um, OpenAI would be able to take the whole corpus of internet data and from there generate uh, the engine that they have, whether it's Sora or, or ChatGPT. Uh, but then if we step back uh, before answering the creative art question, uh, what exactly is um, uh, OpenAI doing right now? If we go back to the history of um, a, a information technology, for example, computing, Intel uh, started computing, uh, Microsoft uh, rely on computing to generate their revenue uh, 20 years back. Uh, what computing does is to reduce the marginal cost or co the, the, the core idea of computing chips uh, is to reduce the marginal cost of computing uh, so that if you can uh, label the error as Intel Windows, uh, the computing costs drop significantly that improve our productivity wildly. Uh, then next came the internet industry. What, what is internet industry represented by Google or Baidu in China? Uh, basically, it reduced the marginal cost of content or information distribution uh, such that it uh, again boosts our productivity. 
Um, then now it's AI era. Uh, what exactly is AI, right? Uh, I think the fundamental concept of AI is reduce the marginal cost of creation, whether it's content creation uh, or, or providing services. Uh, so each era, uh, at the beginning of it, people would have a lot of doubts. Uh, whether uh, going into the detail question, whether the content would be original or whether the information uh, sharing this way would be a, a, a good way of sharing information. We faced the same dilemma before when we were at a computing age or internet age. But now today, uh, essentially what AI does is reduce the marginal cost of creation, content creation. It used to be you hire a, a artist to generate a picture, whether it's for marketing purpose or for some other purpose. That may cost you a thousand dollars a week of time, but today it's like uh, basically costs you nothing uh, in a few seconds of time. Uh, so if you want to survive in this game, you have to compete against it. Uh, so in a way, uh, AI is pushing the artist to be more creative, and uh, the more creative art uh, will feed back into the AI to generate more uh, or stronger AI engines. So that's my take. I'm more on the optimistic side. Okay, that's a very interesting point. So, uh, Dr. Lulei, do you think um, these AI generators are, are they going to benefit or harm a creative art? And and where do you think is the future of human creativity in a world where AI can generate realistic and engaging content? Uh, I think the AI is plays a very important role uh, in the uh, in the future, and uh, that the sorrow opens up countless possibility for the artist. Uh, filmmakers or students who need to uh, create video. Uh, the model can deeply simulate the real physical world, um, uh, making a, a leap in AI's ability to understand and uh, interact uh, with the real-world series. And uh, it is also considered an important milestone in the realization of the AGI, which is expected to lead to a smarter, more uh, efficiency and more Diverse video generation and process technological uh, in the future uh, through the continuous and in-depth research and the development and uh, advanced models uh, such as the Sora. It's my opinion. Yes. Okay. So Edgar, uh, you are a writer yourself. So are you worried that someday your work can be replaced by AI? Uh, that everybody can become a writer with the help of AI? Of course not. Well, if you think about AI taking a job, that means that we are not keeping up pace with technology. Technology has been around millions of years ago since we invented fire. Before that, we were eating food that was not cooked. Now we're able to eat cook. We have energy. That's a great progress for humanity. In the same way, AI today is the new electricity. It will be embedded in our lives. It will be everywhere, meaning that we need to embrace it. We have no choice. Now, my job as a speaker, as an author, of course, I can use the technology or I can be crying that something is going to replace me. Instead, I adopt technology. In fact, enterprise I have created an AI avatar, Edgar Perez AI, that actually can speak many more languages than me. I can only speak English and Spanish. This avatar can speak 10 languages, meaning that instead of just restricting me to certain geographies, I can now expand my activities to many more areas, to many more geographies. So it's actually enhancing my performance instead of thinking that it's going to replace me. Okay, but Edgar, are you okay if the books you write or the content you create are used to train AI models without your consent? In my particular case, I envision people using my work because I see that as a benefit to humanity. Mm -hmm. Imagine if Leonardo da Vinci 500 years ago said, no painter is going to use my paintings to learn about painting. What this world would be? We are all using technology of creation, ingenuity, creativity that was developed before. So there's really not new creativity that you can say, this just came out of myself. So in reality, we are all helping each other. And I think that technology is just true. Some people who develop their art, who would like to copyright their work, would like to see some type of compensation. And that's totally fine. You remember that New York Times sued OpenAI a few months ago. And they, I think at the end of the day, they're going to have an agreement because authors like the New York Times uh, provide, of course, great value to society and they would like to be compensated. And I think they will make a, they will have an agreement at the end of the day. In the same way, other creators will find that way too. So they can actually see that their creation is going to be compensated in this AI future. 
Okay, so uh, Professor Liu, you, you study IP protection laws, um, and, and just now Edgar mentioned that a lawsuit, um, the New York Times sued OpenAI and Microsoft last year in December, actually, for copyright infringement, because they say millions of their articles were used to train AI chatbots. But actually, there are also numerous independent writers like Edgar and also musicians, filmmakers, whose works are also being used, perhaps unknowingly, to train um, these AI models. So as the power of generative AI grows, how do you think we can protect the livelihoods and rights of human creators um, whose work feeds these technologies that may eventually make them obsolete? Oh, yes. And I think this is a very important uh, question. And uh, I think the important thing is uh, this is a matter of balance. On one hand, the development of AI technology will have to learn and use a large number of existing materials. And uh, on the other hand, it is necessary to protect the interests of the right holders of work. And the AI can only realize its function among uh, actually uh, if it is uh, learned existing materials. And uh, uh, and I think uh, this is a uh, very important uh, example. Uh, I don't think this is a new issue. As the emergence of the new technology will have an impact on the existing rights. Uh, we can recall that when the Internet appeared, uh, many industries and companies also have an impact. At that time, a large number of the music, uh, film, and the television works and the written works uh, were uploaded uh, and unloaded to the internet. For the right holders of this work, it had the impact. But there was no better solution at that time. However, with the development of technology and the improvement of the business model, there are now new download platforms, a video free website, and ebook platform. Uh, this new technology and the platform create, create New income for the right holder. Nowadays, and the many movie, uh, and the many movies, and the TV dramas, and the novels uh, can be made available to everyone without having to enter a movie theater, a television station, or the public and uh, the publication. So I think technology, uh, technological development, and the right and the right protection is a consistent theme. And I think in the future, L is a more better solution for the AI and the right holder. Okay, so uh, uh, Xiaoshan, what do you think of this um, copyright issue? Because it seems to me that these tech, tech companies, they're so powerful that it, they don't care too much about the copyright issue. Well, it's uh, quite interesting, uh, and it has happened before. If you think about it, um, since the beginning of technology, there has been a horse race between regulation and innovation. And sometimes innovation gets ahead, like where we are today, uh, then these companies would go wild. Um, and that's the exact issue we talk about. But on the other hand, when a regulation gets ahead of innovation, sometimes uh, we restrain the development of technology. But when I mentioned this happened before, if we recall uh, around 2000, there is a website uh, from the United States, it's called Napster. Uh, it's a music sharing site. Um, um, that people can upload music and you can download it for free. And we had the exact same discussion at the time, whether Napster is legal. Um, uh, then uh, the MP3 format came along and people are sharing music and then came along iPod and other devices. But eventually after about uh, 10 years of development, we figure out a way. Uh, so if you want to share music, uh, you can share it legally and with a charging fee. Uh, but this time, uh, although it's very similar to what happened last time, it's a bit different. Last time, it's about information sharing. So you can still uh, charge fees uh, from people if you are the creator. But this time, uh, the creator is AI itself, uh, such that it rely on past content generated by human artists or human creators uh, to uh, enable this AI engine to generate content that are better uh, than what we created before. So the question becomes, if you are uh, a human creator, can you work with AI to create content that's better than uh, the content created by AI? 
and uh, can you outperform uh, AI? Otherwise, you cannot stay in the game. But regarding how we charge uh, these AI companies, uh, whether it's license fee or royalty fee regarding using data, uh, that's still up to debate. Uh, and we, we, we still don't have a distribution model uh, to charge people, uh, I mean, to charge OpenAI or Google uh, content fees. Yet, uh, I think the legal society still have to uh, work very hard with the technology society uh, to come up with a solution. Okay, and Dr. Liu, what about the copyright of um, AI-generated artworks? Because if we consider the collaborative nature of AI tools and uh, the contributions of both humans and algorithms, what do you think is a fair and ethical approach to attributing and claiming copyright for these AI-generated works? Uh, yes, and uh, I think that the copyright of the work generated by the AI, I think, should, uh, should belong to the person who use the AI. If it is uh, used by an uh, individual, then uh, it, uh, the right belongs to the user. And if it is used by a company, and I think the right belongs to the company. And now there is uh, some cases in, the, in China and the U in United States, and uh, this is case. This case do not support work, work generated by the AI. Uh, to the uh, they don't think the AI have the copyright. I think there is a basic logic here that AI itself is a product of humanity, and AI is a tool uh, for humans to improve their production, uh, their production and work. And the materials used by the AI uh, are also created uh, by the human. Uh, so there is uh, another uh, problem, which is the uh, which is AI is used. It needs to uh, and uh, I think to uh, I think to we can to uh, differ, uh, which is uh, uh, created by the person and uh, which is uh, created by the AI. Because if you don't make a mark and uh, state that the uh, created by the AI, so uh, people will mistake the work. Uh, it's it not the or original. Yeah. Okay, so Edgar, what do you think? Who do you think should claim the copyright of AI-generated artworks? And, and do you see any limitations in existing legal frameworks in addressing issues like copyright infringement? Well, when you think about copyright, we have to think about what type of tools are we using. If we're using a publicly available AI, none of these companies allow you to claim copyright for any of the works. So if I want to use ChatGPT and I want to start typing a prompt and coming up with a beautiful image, obviously that's not going to be subject to copyright. On the other hand, if I am using these applications in a corporate setting and I'm using my own APIs and I'm using a new application built on top of ChatGPT, obviously there I'm using my own intellectual property to come up with a new product and service, and that's claimable for copyright. So those are different things. Another thing also, are we using closed models such as ChatGPT, for example, or are we using open models such as Llama 2? Llama 2, for example, is available for everybody to use, and people can build applications on top of Llama 2, meaning that they cannot claim a copyright just for the using this application. However, if I'm going to build myself a new application on top of that, and I'm going to use my own company's expertise to create, to develop a new product or service, then I can claim a copyright. We've been talking to Mr. Edgar Perez, business author and CEO of MrEdgarPerez.com, Dr. Liu Shaoshen, Director of Embodied Intelligence at Shenzhen Institute of Artificial Intelligence and Robotics for Society, and Liu Lei, Research Associate with Institutes of Science and Development at Chinese Academy of Sciences. And remind our listeners, if you want to hear this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, just download our podcast by searching World Today. And for further discussion, you can follow us on X at CGTN Radio. Let's take a short break here. Coming back, we'll continue our discussion. Stay with us.
Welcome back. You're listening to World Today. I'm Zhao Ying, joined by Edgar Perez, business author and strategy consultant, and CEO of MrEdgarPerez.com. Dr. Liu Shaoshen, director of Embodied Intelligence at Shenzhen Institute of Artificial Intelligence and Robotics for Society, and Liu Lei, research associate with Institutes of Science and Development at Chinese Academy of Sciences. Um, so, Shaoshen, let me go to you, and let's talk about some. Ethical issues surrounding AI,、um, because the announcement of Sora has also triggered fears that it may accelerate the proliferation of deep fake videos. How worried should we be about this? And are existing deep fake detection technologies adequate to identify videos created with tools like Sora? Well, I think we should be、uh, very concerned、uh, regarding deep fake.、Um, as you can see, the content generated by AI is more and more realistic in a sense. Uh, a lot of people cannot differentiate video generated、uh, by AI or a video shot、uh, at real time.、Um, uh, so I think、um, technology can help somewhat. For example, if you have blockchain technology to to tag each video,、uh, so that only trust the video that are authenticated.、Uh, that's one way.、Uh, and then we need some more legal solutions.、Uh, but there would be a period of chaos that may last a year or so. Uh, that people would not have a existing solution, um, 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 so that's the period we are living in.、Uh, so I think、uh, both the technology society and the legal society would work very hard、uh, to push this to happen. Okay, and then Xiaoshan, what what types of deep fakes do you find most concerning? Like,、uh, do you think AI generated videos should be banned in certain areas, like、uh, political campaigns or financial industries? Yeah, especially political campaign, right?、Uh, for example, in the United States,、uh, it's near election time.、Uh, people can generate some uh, content, uh, fake content, to promote some agenda, and then push it on platforms like YouTube、uh, and X. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure right now. There's a way to ban these kind of videos. Even experts at、uh, X or YouTube,、uh, for them to differentiate a video whether it's real or whether it's、uh, from deepfake,、uh, it's still very challenging. Edgar, how worried do you think we should be about those deepfake videos? And do you think AI videos should be banned in certain areas? Well, if you think about AI as a technology, obviously every technology per se is not good or bad. The application of these technologies can be for implemented for good or for bad. So when you think about the potential for Sora, of course there are a lot of potential developments that are going to be positive for humanity. On the other hand, there are going to be some applications that obviously will, will border with criminal activity. For example, imagine you are working at home and then you receive a phone call, and the phone call, whether it's going to be a video call or whether it's going to be a voice call, sounds like your daughter. Looks like your daughter, and she's at risk. Somebody saying that she has your daughter, she's kidnapped, and you have to pay a certain amount right away, otherwise her life is in danger. How come not you're gonna be worried if you see an image, a picture of your daughter? So the technology itself was used for a criminal purpose, but it's not that we have to blame the technology for this. I think the person, obviously, this is a crime anywhere, anyone, and any time, and this was a crime before too. Before computers, also before TFA, people could make a phone call. They can simulate your daughter's voice, and that could also lead you to believe that she is in danger. So this type of activity is what we have to penalize, as always. And of course, if we can put some restrictions in terms of the use of this technology for this type of purpose, obviously that will be of great benefit. Okay, so、uh, Dr. Liu Lei, to what extent do you think we should blame technologies for those deepfake videos, and, and to to what extent do you think、uh, these AI developers should be responsible for the potential misuse of of these tools like like Sora? I think、uh, AI is the benefit for the community, and、uh, I think now the real problem is how to regulate the AI, and、uh, now as there is a.、Uh, In China, there are three、uh, important laws, and one is the cyber security law, and two is the second is the data security law, and、uh, the third is the、um, personal information protection law. And I think in the history, like the internet came up, there are also many problems. And、uh, I think the important thing is the how to balance the writers,、uh, the writers and the AI companies. So I think,、uh, on the one hand,、uh, we can、uh, we can support the technology uh, uh, to uh, I think、uh, to enhance the 
uh, uh, enhance the community and uh, the other other hand uh, we can uh, how to uh, regulate the AI. Dr. Liu, um, to what extent do you think these AI developers should be responsible for the potential misuse of their products? Because just as Edgar uh, earlier said, uh, there will be criminals all the time, but um, apparently these AI uh, models have made, made it easier for them to make some deep fake videos. Uh, so I'm not a legal expert, but I think uh, if the developer did not have the intent uh, to use the technology for uh, bad purposes. I, I don't think they should be punished. Otherwise, that would be a, a, a killing the innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes you, if you are a developer, uh, you are just working on some advanced technology, you don't know how people are going to use your technology for, uh, then I don't think the creator should be punished in any way. But do you think they should consider the possible you know, side effects of their products? Should any ethical considerations guide the decision making in, in, in you know, such technologies? Oh, definitely. I think uh, as a person, you, you always want to be a responsible person, uh, such that when you create something, you always want to think about uh, the consequences. But, but today, I think in technology world, there are not many guidelines for creators, uh, such that sometimes they, they don't know uh, the power um, of the product that they created. I, I think that's uh, uh, very dangerous, especially in this world uh, with AGI contents. Um, um, so I think uh, also uh, within technology world, uh, we should create more guidelines uh, to help these developers. Uh, so each time when they develop something new, they want to think about it and check the guideline whether this could be potential uh, dangers. Okay, so Edgar, as AI-generated videos like those created by Sora become more realistic and difficult to distinguish from real footage, will we need to fundamentally change how we judge truthfulness of online content? And how do you think the public can be made more critically aware of potential deep fakes and misinformation? Because it's the evolution of technology. Remember, 20 years ago with Photoshop, again, it was possible now with Photoshop to create any type of image, yet the world is still going. We'll adapt. I don't think we should be too worried about the creation of defects. Certainly, there's going to be a potential that many industries will change their ways, the ways they work right now. But nonetheless, it's just the pace of evolution of technology. So certainly, we need to put some technologies in place to be able to put watermarks in the videos as a way to additionally provide credibility to real videos. That is true. Creators are also coming up with new technologies to be able to help in this purpose. But at the end of the day, as a humanity, will adapt. So I wouldn't be too concerned. Obviously, companies are, let's say, prohibiting the use of images, political images or celebrities in the creation of these tools. That is a positive step because that's going to allow us to think that if we see videos like that, most of the time that could be fake. Edgar, what role do you think uh, tech companies, social media companies and governments should play in regulating the use of AI-generated video cons? As I mentioned before, uh, I think at the end of the day, when you think about new technology, there are going to be good applications and there are going to be bad applications. The developer, the person creating this, wouldn't be wouldn't need to be facing such a big hurdle to be able to develop new technologies. On the other hand, we have to think about the application. And if a person would like to commit a crime using leveraging the power of these technologies, that's what we have to focus on because that probably points to a different issue, a societal issue, for example. That's what we need to focus on. The technologies will be there and people will use them for good and for bad. However, when you think about some technologies such as AI that have so big impact in humanity, ideally, we should think about some area of the United Nations, for example, to focus on some criteria to define what's good development for AI or not. For example, accountability. If I'm going to be using a model, I need to realize that the model is accountable to the people developing that. So the results, the precision, I mean, the type of results that you're going to get from this model have to be accountable. People have to recognize, for example, how certain results are going to be reached. If I'm applying for a bank loan, for example, I would like to see if I'm applied, great, but if I'm denied a loan, I would like to know why was that. And sometimes these models don't give you any clue about what was the criteria that was used to deny a loan. So that's type of something that criteria that has to be recognized by these models. On the other hand, when you think about these models, ideally, we would like to have a regulation that is applicable around the world because this is a global technology. 
given the conditions today, it's going to be probably very difficult. So at least some global guidelines should be ensured uh, to be applied across the world. And most probably, each of the major countries will apply also additional safeguards to be able to provide AI in a safe and procured manner. Uh, Dr. Liu, uh, who do you think should take the lead in regulating these um, AI technologies? Like, should we depend on the self-regulation of tech companies, or um, do you think government should step in? Or maybe, as Edgar just now said, we should depend on some international organizations like the UN? Uh, I think the company and the government, there is a different duty on this. Like the technology company and the need to careful not to invade the privacy of the individuals and uh, not to infringe on the copyright of their work. And like the social media companies, it's to distinguish whether uh, this is the original video or uh, AI-generated video. And as in the government department uh, regulates the content of the content of the work and uh, in accordance with the legal provisions. So I think uh, the different uh, company, uh, different uh, government, and uh, there are different duties on this on this issue. Uh, Xiaoshan, what what governance models do you think are most suitable for addressing the um, inherently international nature of AI technologies? And do you think nations can collaborate to establish a cohesive global regulatory framework for AI, or uh, do you feel perhaps a more localized approach will be more realistic? Well, I think that's a very interesting question, and we actually have first-hand experience dealing with it. Uh, we were uh, running a uh, autonomous driving startup uh, a few years back, and we uh, launched a product everywhere in the world. And we faced very different regulatory measures, and that gave uh, AI startups a lot of trouble. Uh, from our own observation is that um, uh, a lot of people are pitching for a global regulatory framework uh, such that everybody should follow. Uh, but the problem with that um, is that, uh, for example, if you take Africa versus United States, uh, the AI technology in the United States is rather advanced and then doing a lot of uh, different things. Uh, but in Africa, uh, probably there's not too much um, AI products yet. They need AI to change certain fields to make it more efficient. Uh, so certainly you cannot apply the same regulatory framework uh, onto these two locations. Um, and then in the United States today, the approach is that, oh, you guys, uh, whether it's OpenAI, Google, or Microsoft, you propose your own approach. You tell me how you want to be regulated. Uh, that's a company-driven approach that would uh, leave a lot of power at the hands of the company. I'm not sure that's a, a, a good approach uh, because if we uh, do an analogy in sports, you're pr pretty much both a referee and a player in the field. I don't think that's a very good approach. Whereas in the EU, uh, uh, they, they impose very strict regulations on AI uh, proposed by the EU uh, parliament and so on and so forth. But I do think uh, at this point, we need to draft international guideline such that uh, which practice may be good, uh, which practice may be bad. Uh, then each country should adopt part of the guideline, uh, whichever is suitable for their local uh, domestic situations. Okay, so um, Dr. Liu, do you envision potential risks associated with um, a possible divergence in AI regulation that could result in fragmentation across uh, the global AI landscape, uh, particularly if we consider the geopolitical um, environment nowadays? And uh, I also use the uh, CPT, and uh, I think uh, in the different uh, country, I think that there will be uh, a different law. And uh, because the uh, the uh, and, and I think because the market is very important, like in China, there is a uh, there is a very big market, and the users is a large number. So I think the, the AI influence is much important and uh, very bigger than the other countries. And uh, I think the AI uh, government and uh, in different uh, countries, and I think we could take different uh, regulations. Okay, so Edgar, uh, wh what do you think are the challenges in achieving international alignment on, particularly on AI ethics? Like, how can regulations accommodate cultural differences and, and regional nuances to ensure that they are effective and culturally sensitive in diverse contexts? 
some regulations will need to be global for sure, and that's something that the UN can lead. On the other hand, each of the main geographies around the world will need to apply this to their own particular certain circumstances. And that's something that each government will have to decide. Obviously, in some countries, we have different type of value, different type of situations, and that's something that has to be particularly customized to the realities of each country. So I think both approaches will need to work in the same way that we think about other areas of situations. For example, when you think about an AI that is being used for a healthcare application, imagine that the AI is not working as it was supposed to work. Obviously, that can actually be critical because we can be impacting the health or the life of a patient. That's something that has to be accounted for. And companies behind that these developments will need to face central regulations to finally end up with these type of applications using AI. So certainly, regulation is critical in the deployment of AI today. So, uh, Xiaoshen, we've been talking about regulations, we've been talking about innovation, but um, generally speaking, uh, do you believe the benefits of Sora outweigh its risks? Oh, much more, much more. Mm -hmm. uh, each, each time we have an innovation, um, whether it's uh, the invention of cars, uh, people would argue, uh, what would the horses do after you have cars? Uh, what would the horsemen do as well? Uh, but eventually, it uh, benefits humanity as a whole. Uh, much more compared to without. Uh, so I think um, innovation uh, is always needed, uh, but also needs to be properly regulated. Okay, but, but Xiaoshan, if we think about um, the, the drama at OpenAI last year, um, a group of AI researchers at OpenAI reportedly sent an open letter to the board warning about a potential breakthrough that might threaten humanity. Um, I mean, we, uh, we don't know what exact breakthrough they were referring to, but I mean, to what extent we should embrace the transformative development of AI and to what extent should we approach it with caution? Well, I think uh, fundamentally, um, it's a productivity tool when we talk about AI. So it makes our society more efficient or our economic system more efficient and more productive. Uh, that's the upside. Uh, but regarding downside, uh, there would be a labor problem. Uh, so if all the jobs are taken by AI, what would those people do? Uh, how would people adapt? I think that's the imminent uh, risk that we are facing. And uh, with Sora, we already see uh, the creative sector uh, maybe harmed, not destroyed, but harmed. Uh, in order to stay in the game, you have to be really good. You have to be uh, capable of outperforming AI. Uh, but that's just one small example. I'm sure it would uh, uh, spill over to many other industries and many sectors as well. Are we ready for it? I don't know. Uh, so I think that's the harmful side. Regarding uh, whatever happened in their board, <laughs> uh, whether the thing is political or, or, or financial, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, but then uh, um, uh, from what we can see on the surface, uh, it's still a creative tool. Uh, that we are talking about. Okay, so Edgar, do you think AI technology should move faster or slower at this moment? At this moment, we cannot control that. Technology will move at the way it's moving right now or even faster. That being said, technology by itself is not a negative thing. Uh, let's remember, people are afraid that technology eventually is going to replace all of our jobs. Our jobs have usually many different tasks. Some of these tasks are Base. I mean, we can automate some of these tasks, but not all of them. So there's always going to be a human component. Let me give you an example. This week, on Tuesday and Wednesday, people were experimenting some issues with ChatGPT. The system was working, but the outputs were gibberish. You could ask a question and the answer would come a bit in Spanish, a bit in English. What was the issue? We don't know. Imagine that this type of application was feeding into an application for a hospital the life of a person could be in danger. So there's no fully 100% accountability in these systems. We are not sure that these systems will work all the time. These systems still hallucinate from time to time. So we'll always need people there behind checking that these systems provide the correct output. So when you think about these type of systems taking humans' jobs, we are still a long way before these systems will become 100% reliable because that given the fact that these systems rely mostly in architectures such as LLM and Transformer, we still don't know when these are going to be completely reliable. I believe 
that we are still in the early stages of the application of technology. We're still a long way, for example, from this famously said AGI, Artificial General Intelligence, because we don't even know what the concept is. So technology will continue advancing there, but we still have a long way before we reach those type of levels of intelligence. Okay, so Dr. Lee, um, as Edgar said, maybe we are still at the early stages, but to what extent do you think we should move with more caution? Because, you know, while technological innovation drives social progress, it may also lead to unintended consequences, and they may harm social well-being, like it may displace numerous workers in certain industries. So do you feel sometimes this um, development of new technology primarily benefits a privileged minority rather than the broader public? Uh, yes, and uh, I think the development of technology is uh, inevitable and uh, the various problems and the challenge will certainly arise in the course of the technological uh, development at present and say that the emergency of the AI starts to pick up the people's uh, efficiency in using and uh, processing the information. And on the whole, the benefit uh, overweigh the risk. And I think uh, in the whole, and the uh, AI is benefit for the community and uh, to uh, enhance our the uh, efficiency of the work. Okay, so Xiao Shen, do you think we need stricter regulations, even if it means less innovation, especially for um, those startup companies? Um, I think so, uh, because uh, when we talk about the pace of innovation. Uh, it's actually not linear, uh, especially in, in the past few months, we see this whole thing accelerating. Uh, so today might be short, tomorrow might be something new. Uh, so uh, in the pretty near future, I think I think it's actually replacing jobs. If you see all the layoff uh, news across the board uh, from whether it's tech companies or other kind of companies, one uh, on the one hand uh, has something to do with economy. On the other hand, I think AI is uh, highly capable today already. Um, so I think it's about time uh, that regulation catches up with technology innovation. Otherwise, it may be too late. And Xiaoshan, I also want to ask you, um, since you work at this um, AI company, how is China doing in the development of generative AI? Is there a widening gap uh, between the U.S. and China in this regard? I do believe there is a widening gap uh, due to the fact that uh, for computing power. Um, uh, currently, there's no match between uh, China and United States, and especially on the chip area. When we talk about NVIDIA uh, GPUs, there's a restriction on exporting. Uh, in terms of talent, uh, there is a gap uh, between uh, China and US. And uh, in terms of data, I think the internet companies in the uh, United States collects a lot more data compared to our Chinese counterparts. But on the other hand, uh, if you look backward, uh, uh, compared to other countries in the world, uh, China has made tremendous progress. Uh, Ten years back, if you would compare Chinese technology com uh, with some Western countries, whether it's UK, Germany, or Japan, uh, you can say maybe it's on par or some, somewhere uh, still lagging behind. But today it's uh, uh, it's between uh, China and US. Uh, uh, so we have to be patient uh, when you're playing a, a catch-up game. Okay, so uh, Dr. Liu, um, you know, China has this uh, global AI governance initiative, which emphasizes the equal rights for countries to develop and use AI, regardless of their size, strength, or social system. Uh, how do you think we should interpret this principle? And what potential impact could it have on the global landscape of AI development and regulation? Yes, and uh, I think it's very important for the, for the law. And uh, now we have the uh, as I said, and there is a, a very important uh, law, and now I think it's a very important uh, problem for the global. And uh, I think uh, for China, and we can to uh, learn other countries like the U.S. and like the uh, uh, European, and uh, we can learn how they regulate the AI. And uh, I think uh, in the future. Like the, we regulate the internet, and I think there are uh, there are many more uh, important laws to regulate the AI, and, and I think this is uh, uh, we can to take some time for our company and our government. Edgar, uh, I mean, does other countries have uh, have this kind of text to video models, or is it only U.S. companies? 
Well, there are developments to develop, I mean, obviously to develop these type of models all over the world. For example, if you think about videos, mostly we know about these American models, but there are also Chinese companies working on this. Now, remember, these are applications of LLMs, models that were developed using the architecture, the transformer architecture developed by Google in 2016. However, we don't know if these models eventually will reach their purpose because at the end of the day when you think about these models these are really let's say probabilistic models mm -hmm. using a certain architectures that look very advanced today but we still don't know if this is going to be the final successful architecture of the world at the end of the day any of these models that we see today still don't understand the world in a world in a way a person a baby can understand it when they are still babies so there are going to be new architectures. So I would definitely see that this type of new architectures eventually will take over and provide a better representation of our world, allowing us to generate a more refined way to consider intelligence. Okay, so Xiaoxian, um, given concerns from some global South countries regarding the affordability and participation in these advanced technologies, how should we perceive the ongoing debate between open sourcing and closed AI models? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. But at the same time, um, I think open sourcing is not the key. Um, there are a lot of open source models out there. Instead, uh, uh, the global South countries, they don't have the infrastructure or computing infrastructure and the data uh, to train even an open source model. The constraint is not at the source code of the, the model. It's not at the architecture of the model. It's more at the data. Uh, that people collect and the way to train it using advanced computing infrastructures. Uh, so for global South countries, I, I think it's better that, that they join force to develop a center <laughs> uh, if they don't want to use other people's model. But I, I, I don't see that as a good strategy for competing. You have to use, uh, except for Western countries where today, right? When we talk about US, it's not just the US. Every Western countries are using U.S. technologies uh, when, when it comes to AGI or, or generative AI. Uh, the question becomes whether China can develop its own set of AGI capability to serve not just China, uh, but the uh, global South countries globally. Okay, thank you, Dr. Liu Xiaoshan, Director of Embodied Intelligence at Shenzhen Institute of Artificial Intelligence and Robotics for Society, Edgar Perez, business author and CEO of MrEdgarPerez.com, and Liu Lei, Research Associate with Institutes of Science and Development at Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Thank you again for being with us today. And that's all the time we have for this edition of World Today. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. And for further discussion, please follow us on X at CGTN Radio. I'm Zhao Ying. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.